Welcome to Danny Houlihan's Irish Experience Podcast. Join Danny on a journey through the historical island of Ireland, its people and the wild Atlantic Way, which is Ireland's last frontier. Experience the music and the culture that makes up the longest coastal driving route in the world. Now, please welcome your host, Danny Houlihan. Welcome to the Wild Atlantic Way and Danny Hulhan's Irish Experience Show on May Eve. In fact, I guided a group to the top of Canucanore, the Hill of Slaughter, on May Eve, where once the might of the Fianna was tested against Talpic Troin, a noted Grecian warrior from Greece over the beautiful female Neve. I am not a superstitious person, but if our ancestors were here with me, they would tell me to stay clear of the hill of Conochnor on the night of May Eve, as it's the realm of the other world, the fairies, and the fair bollocks, the other world creatures who come to life, is their realm and kingdom. Prior to leaving Supervalue Valley Bonyan, a large group assembled of well-fit hikers and walkers. After introductions, we made our way through the bustling Ballybunnan streets onto the path to Ahafona. From there, we took a left onto Drummond, then to Mohan and then Lahaden, which winds its way along the grassy countryside of Drummond, Mohan, Lahaden, then on to the locked Conochanor, the Hill of Slaughter. The evening was warm and sunny as we left, and it was nice. The sounds of happy walkers were behind me, thirty in all, as we made our joyful way at a nice pace to our first stop. Most of you would not be able to attend the walk on this occasion, so I will just give you a taste of the sights we came across and its people who are gone as we proceed up the famous hill of slaughter known as Kunukunur. Moving along at a nice pace, passing well-established hedges, if only they could talk. The views of the upland area came into view, with its upland pastureland and the hill of Conochanore in the distance. At our first stop along the route, to give everyone a break, we halted just beyond the late Jack Welch's house, to the right in Mohan. Located in a field to our right, with a stream flowing in front of it, was a univalet ring fort in very good condition. 
once a home to our Irish ancestors in the late Iron Age and early Christian period. We stopped for a moment on the outskirts of Mohan after passing the townland of Drummond. There I related the history of the old fort and its origins. Many people are gone from the area or left or died during the Great Irish Holocaust of 1846 and Black 47, known as the Great Hunger or Famine, resulting in the old homesteads being demolished, now gone. Only stones are left behind, remnants, in the old ditches, a reminder of a bygone time and people now gone. A small bit of genealogy now for our Irish diaspora. The leasers of this townland, born in 1851, the reps of John L. Gunn Esquire, and William Collins, who was renting land from him. Names in 1851 were William Collins, whose land was under the farmer, totaled 127 acres, one road and 34 perches, and the land was valued at 41 pounds and 10 shillings. The buildings were 4 pounds and 6 shillings. The total of Mohan was 45 pounds and 16 shillings. According to the report of the time, the occupiers were William Collins, Ellen Mahoney, House, 5 shillings, John Collins' House, 6 shillings, and Bartholomew Mahoney, House, 5 shillings. Townland of Drummond. The names that were here in 1851 during the Griffiths Valuations were stated, immediate leaser of the land, Sophie C. Herring. She was leasing land to George Hewson, Esquire of Innesmore, who was an occupier which totaled two roads, 22 perches, costing five shillings. Thomas Dennis Esquire was both occupier and leaser, in fee, house, offices and land, 198 acres, one road, one perch. The value of the land was valued at £94. The buildings were worth £3. The total was £97. The local occupiers. This leaves out any other subdivisions of the land, which was there, and we have no record of those people who were living there under these occupiers. All bar one was paying rent to Thomas S. Dennis Esquire and Lady Burghurst. The names in Drummond in 1851 were Patrick McNamara, house and offices. The value of the land and offices were 12 shillings. Thomas Callaghan and his family, a house which was 7 shillings. James Quinlan, house which was worth 12 shillings. William Deanahan, house and office, valued at 15 shillings. George Nevin, house and garden, valued at 8 shillings. Joanna Connors, house at 5 shillings. Mary Connors, house, 5 shillings. Daniel Deanahan, house, 8 shillings. George Gunn, landlord, gentry, house, offices and land, 36 acres, 1 road, 11 perches, valued at 23 pounds and 10 shillings. Robert Cashel, renting land from Lady Borkhurst, three roads, 13 perches. The land was valued at 10 shillings, but the valuation was at a pound. Other names were Patrick Wolfe, a Callaghan family, a Fienerty family, Welsh family and a Scandon family. So as you can see, that in that area we passed through on our walk to the hill of Cunochanor, there were many names, many, many names, sadly now gone and forgotten from this old townland. Gone forever. Where are their ancestors now? Are they in America? Did they settle in the Appalachian Mountains and other parts of Montana, Connecticut, Illinois, Virginia, Massachusetts, North Carolina 
and many, many more places. I know of the Maloney family who came from this area and their ancestors visited me only just about a year ago. This is just a taste of what I said as we moved along the countryside with the sounds of birds singing around us and a stream running softly near our walk, our natural Irish environment at its best. As we stopped at the ring fort, I related its history. During the Iron Age and early Christian period, our ancestors constructed these ancient circular earthen structures. Some stone, majority were of earthen design. These ancient enclosures, when constructed, consisted of a dwelling such as a thatch-like building. In some cases, were built of wattle walls. Cattle and animals were allowed to roam freely within the confines of the structure. For children too, it was a safe place to stay. Often they were raised by other warring neighbours, which was a factor in the times when other neighbours or local tribes wanted to steal the fatted animals from each other. In this case, a stone-lined tunnel structure known as a souterrain, sous terra meaning underground passages, were constructed within the fort as protection. These structures were elaborate stone-lined tunnels under the fort, so if the enclosure was attacked, the occupants, men, women and children, could hide in for a period. Then escape when the invaders were gone. The exact location where the family escaped through was only known to the family and was choked to prohibit the attackers from invading the list or fort. Thus the association with people entering and leaving forts without notice and the connection with the fairy folk or fur bullocks knew the locations to disappear to the other world within the confines of these early forts. These ancient forts in Ireland would have been used up to modern times. Also, it should be noted, people who were buried within the confines of those ancient forts during the Great Irish Holocaust of Great Hunger of 1846 and Black 47. These ring forts are special places. May Eve was not the time or the place to be near Ringfort. As we had been told by our people, passing Ringforts on May Eve, one could hear unusual sounds of groaning and shouting and activity coming from the fort. Our ancient ancestors come back to life. In local lore, people have vanished and have been taken to the other world of Anu, goddess of the earth, on May Eve. A Ringfort was a place not to be near or in that particular evening. It is also said that on May Eve, the spirit of Furfi, the ancient deer, can be seen on the ridge near Drummond, where he was sacrificed to the Folloch de Fia, and the sounds of people talking and the crackling of timber burning in a large pit, and the stones cracking as it hit the Folloch de Fia and being brought to boil. Also, the sounds of a large wooden fire burning, large amounts of timber to heat the stones for the Folloch de Fia, the sounds of hungry warriors awaiting their portion of the killed deer or boar, or red Irish deer, could be heard.
another old story told about the area of lone travellers in the late 1880s. While walking along certain parts of the hill, suddenly they crossed a place where they felt so tired, cold and very, very hungry. In fact, they were so overcome with hunger, this feeling they fell to the ground. The only way out of the place was to eat a small piece of bread or drink something to relieve the experience. One person locally who managed to pull themselves away from the area made their way to a thatched house, only to be fed by a local housewife. Did you pass the old road, she said, as she looked in their direction. Oh yes, they replied. And she repeated the story that was repeated time and time again, that during the great Irish Holocaust of 1846 and 47, known as Great Hunger or Famine, Oh, that's the old road, used during the famine. Many are buried along its route, and some were found dead on it, and indeed buried within its banks and the fallen walls of their homes, she replied. Now, as we moved along our tour route, these are some of the names of the area now gone in Lahardin, Mohan and Drummond. Again, another bit of genealogy for those in America and Australia and around the world. Now, just to mention a few names of those who were here in the area in 1851, I've gone back to 1848 as well to see who was there. A small bit of information, as I say, for our diaspora. A snapshot in time. Are there any relations of yours on my list? If so, reach out to me and let me know. Now, I look at the tithe Plotman's books first. And the names who were paying tithe to the established Church of Ireland at that time. Just a few local names and stats who were there before the Great Hunger or Irish Holocaust of 1845, 46 and Black 47. Just remember, as I said, the ordinary people under these named tenants are lost in time as they were not recorded. Their ancestors are out there and laid their bones far away from home, far away from the Shannon side. Some ended up in Montana and other places and the Appalachian Mountains the question is, where do they rest now? In some overgrown graveyard, no longer visited. A secret, a faded name on a headstone, slowly going away. We read who was mentioned on the 23rd of August, 1825. Morris Hennessy, 32 acres, 3 roods, 29 perches. He had 5 acres, 0 roods and 35 perches of bog. He was paying £2, 6 shillings. John English had bog, five acres, zero roots and 35 perches. Two pounds, six shillings in tithe. He had 16 acres, two roots and 16 perches. Pat English, 16 acres, three roots, six perches. He had bog, 74 acres, one root, 23 perches. John D had bog, same acreage. He was paying tithe of two pounds, six shillings. A Carmody man, we have no first name, had bog. 19 acres, 2 roods and 24 perches. A Sheehy man had 19 acres, 2 roods, 4 perches. Valued at £1, 13 shillings. James Stack had land, arable, 61 acres, 1 rood and 25 perches. Coarse pasture, 31 acres, 3 roods, 7 perches. And bog, he had 27 acres, 1 rood and 5 perches. The total of the acres was 120 acres, 2 roods and 37 perches. He was paying a tithe to the established church of three pounds, nine shillings and zero pence. 
The total acreage for Lahardin was 391 acres, 3 roads and 16 perches. The total tide came to in all £9, 7 shillings. Just a few names, part of our history, part of our past and our people, no long since forgotten. As we walked along Lahardin, with nature in bloom, I noticed the long ditches that flanked our way. These ditches contain many stories and worked stones from old houses now gone. From the surrounding area, even a few bones of those who perished during the Great Irish Hunger of 1846 and 47 are still resting in silence there, all around us, a special place to be and a special place to walk on May Eve. Looking through the 1851 Griffiths Valuations and the 1848 survey by Dennis Freeman for this townland, the population at that time after the famine was still very high. I will just list the names of the leasers and the occupiers just to show and prove there was a large population in the area of Lahardin, Drummond and Mohan at that time. The total land area in Lahardin was 1,413 acres, zero roads and 30 perches. The land was valued at 132 acres, four roads and zero perches. The total was £147 and nine shillings. The immediate leasers, there are a few, which I will now list. Under them will be the occupiers. As I said, under them we don't know. There's no records. As I said, not mentioned in this list are the remnants of a community after the Great Hunger of 1845-46 and Black 47. Who were they? Where did their ancestors go to? Now gone. Morris Hennessy, James Connell, Turns Connor, Michael Murphy, Edmund Murphy, Garrett D. All of the names in brackets. The reps, John L. Gunn, Angela D. Names of the people that were on the land at that time. Michael Kelly was living there in 1846 during the Great Irish Hunger. John Kelly, Ellen Sullivan, Patrick Sullivan was there in 1848. John English, Terence Connors. Henry Sullivan was there in 1846. John Diggin. Michael Murphy was there in 1846. Timothy O'Brien was there in 1848. Margaret Ferris. Mary D. Dennis Enright. Richard Kennedy. Brian Hennessy was there in 1848. James D. was there after the famine in 1848. Edmund Enright. Margaret Ferris. Anne Connors. Patrick Sheehy. John Quinlan, Garrett D, Daniel D, Honora Conway, Mary Ryan. Many, many names of our people, now gone and forgotten. Now back onto the level as we headed towards the crossroads and took a left to the climb. 
not far away from us in the distance, is the famous Holywell Tumamokri. I will deal with that in another episode. At the foot of the last climb to Kunukunur Hill, which is steep, we halted for the last time to draw breath. I related the famous story of Koch Kunukunur, the Hill of Slaughter, which all enjoyed. A taste of our history. As a boy going to school, I was related the story of a great battle that took place between Fwin McCool and the Fianna against Talfic Train or Talfic Throne, he was known as. I have covered Kunukunur in another one of my podcasts, so when you get a chance, check it out. It's a nice podcast. From the dialogue of the ancients, we get a sense of the place and the battle. From the Irish translation, The Hill of Slaughter, which is taken from A Call of the Shanoruk, the Colloquy of the Elders, stanza 47. Quote The Hill of Slaughter. Kunukunur is the hill back there. Until eternity, it will be called the Hill of Slaughter. O Patrick of the White Crozier, it is with good reason. It is called that. Tell me if you can remember, O sad son of Cool, tell me and bless you the true story and don't hold back. One day, when Fionn the leader and the Fianna with their slender horses were on the hill, there was a great number of them and they were not afraid to show their strength. A lone woman, more beautiful than the sun, was seen by the Fianna approaching up the pathway. She approached Fionn, the commander of all ports, and he saluted the woman, who wore a red cape. Who are you, O Queen, said Fionn? You who are beautiful in spirit and appearance. Your voice will be more beautiful to me than any music that is played. My name is Neve the Fair, the daughter of Roch, son of Daladian, the king of Greece, my curse on him, who forced me to marry. Talfic Troyne. What has forced you to travel? Don't keep any secrets from me now. I will protect you till eternity and keep him from you. That man I spoke about, he is the reason for my pain. I was promised to him and Greece has been destroyed twice as a result. It is no wonder that I hated him, said the beauty with a fair appearance. Two ears, a tail, and a cat's head he has. Not a nice man. I have travelled the world three times, and I have not found a king or ruler but yourselves, O Fianna, who will promise me protection. We will protect you, young woman, said Fionn, the undefeated, until we all fall in your cause, all seven battalions under my command. By your own hand, I swear to you, Fionn, that you are mistaken. The person who I am fleeing from will kill many in battle. Do not fear too much, O woman with the curly gold hair. No warrior under the sun arrived, whom the Fina weren't a match for. Immediately, then we saw coming towards us a royal man with a cat's head and strong arms. He neither saluted nor bowed before Fionn, but sought battle for the woman. We sent two hundred warriors against him. Warriors who were strong of arm. Not one of the two hundred returned, 
Every one of them fell to Talmok train. 1,000 leaders, 9,000 warriors, side by side our own men, O Patrick of the strong feet. They were the ones we lost of the Fianna. Oscar asked Fionn's permission, although I shivered to mention it, to fight the fierce warrior after he saw the demise of the others. I grant you permission, said Fionn, although I greatly regret it if you die. Go and take my blessing. Remember your skill and your deeds. Oscar got up, that brave man, on whose hand no attack had ever succeeded, that glorious warrior with supreme courage went to face Talmach Train. Turn towards me, O son of Train, said the brave Oscar, because I will take your head off to revenge those whom you've killed. For five days and five nights, the two strong men clashed in battle, without food or drink or sleep, until Talc fell by my son's hand. We raised three battle cries on high, after that fierce, rough battle. Shouts of lament for those who had fallen in battle, and two shouts of praise for the death of Talc. And then, Neve the Beautiful, that fine woman, when she saw the extent of the slaughter, that woman with the rosy cheeks was overwhelmed by a fit of shame and fell down dead with the others. The death of the Queen, after all that had happened, affected all very severely. On this hill, after that battle, the Fianna named it the Hill of Slaughter. Powerful words from the ancients. What a history we have in this area. It's fabulous. There was a cairn on the hill of Knokanor many, many years ago, and graves, it has been said, but sadly the heap of stones was removed in the early 1700s. As we reached the end of our tour and the climb to Knokanor, one of our guests walked on the last part of an old roadway which ran along the coastline and crossed Knokanor. It was one of the ancient highways of Ern, the Clearua, which stretched this ancient route from Marlin Mountain on Kerryhead and Cahar Conry, along the coastline of North Kerry, crossing the River Cashin and through the old parish of Kilihene and Doon, and on towards Bramore. These ancient highways were ancient routes, linking the coastline and the old promontory forts and settlements along the coastline of North Kerry in ancient times, for people and their customs before the arrival of Christianity. It was related to me that the old road of Clearua branched off at Doon Church to the right and made its way to the hill of Knokanor. Now, my friends, you can still see a part of the old ditch on Knokanor, winding its way in the direction towards the ruin of Doon Church. And it should be noted, another part of that road can be seen near Bramore Cliffs, running along the cliffs to the promontory fort of Lick Castle. It's not without grounds that another spur ran from Lick to Knokanor. The road crossed the hill to the other side, where the start of the Shannon Way is now, and made its way to the old woodlands of Astee, Bally Longford. These woodlands are gone now, but the bogs are there to testify to the woods being there. It is said that on May Eve, if you're on the hill, 
the sounds of carts and horses can be heard clear as day, making their way along the hillside to Asti and Ballylongford. The voices of the ancients returning to the lands they once roamed and farmed. After the group had a break and a brief conversation with each other, a thing today we often miss, we all gradually dispersed down from the locked and Kunukunur, leaving behind its famous history and lore. The mist that had covered the hill gradually cleared, leaving us with a sunset view of the clouds. It was magic, as if the fairy folk had permitted us a glimpse of their dawn, I thought. One could meditate on one's own soul as we descended from the beautiful hill. Some of the original group came together as we came down the hill, with the scenic backdrop of the Shannon Estuary and Kerryhead in the distance. A great conversation took place about fairies and pishogues. It was unique. However, one person warned us, don't tempt the fairies, as we passed the ring fort near Mohan. The fine conversation intermingled with periods of silence, with nothing but the sounds of birds singing before dusk, was all around us, an experience worth having. It was not long until we arrived at Ahafona and back to the town of Ballybunion, alive with the sounds of night revellers. I thought we have left our history and our tour behind us, a period of communion with our nature and our landscape. I will be back to the Hill of Slaughter again, so keep an eye on my podcast series. I hope you've enjoyed our May Eve trip to Kanokonor. I know I did, and a small bit of genealogy. If you would like to support my ongoing research and podcast episodes, why not buy me a coffee? This will be used to update my research and equipment. I will give everyone who contributes a shout-out on my series. Just click on the link below to support me in any way, big or small. Thank you. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash yxqdanny. Until we all meet again, slán, bye. Thanks for listening to our show. Through its people, its heritage and its rugged coastline, this is truly Danny Houlihan's Irish experience. Bye for now.